Because there are different variations of the encounter written down in Japanese history, this makes it hard to separate fact from legend. Mm-hmm. However, he has found 11 documents relating to the Hitachi Utsurubuni legend. Uh, the most interesting are thought to date from 1803, the same year that the craft was said to have come ashore. Hmm. So that's cool. It's not like, uh, like you know, 50 years later. Right, exactly. Yeah. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't uh, know. Planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. I'm I'm presumably Shane. I fucking stink. I can tell you that much. I need a shower. <laughs> I'm way over here, man. I can't smell you. So you're you're good. You're totally good. <laughs> been been outside building stuff in the backyard like a like a like a man man <laughs> look at you paul bunyan fucking calm down with that shit you break something so yeah, probably <laughs> well good for you i know i took a break well you know we're trying to so i took like last week off um most of last week not all of last week we we're gonna go to portland we end up doing family emergency shit like that but i did have a chance to get my halloween stuff set up um, first one on the block yay so you know of course ah, fuck what are you gonna do you know? I'm i'm just glad that it's you're that way about Halloween and not Christmas. Oh, I don't dude, know if we could shit. be friends. No, I don't blame you. No, I, I I would definitely not talk to me either. Um, once Halloween's over, like holidays are dead to me and it really pisses off the wife. But so far we're married. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, I don't mind Christmas. I just don't like it when people start getting ready for it before fucking Thanksgiving. That oh, drives my me God, insane. dude. When I did fucking retail for a short amount of time. You would watch him like break down one set and bring up Thanksgiving in fucking August. I'm like, oh my god, you people! Like, <laughs> They've it's already insane. Fucking two old. We're the old dudes from the Muppets, Statler and Waldorf <laughs> over here. But like, dude, <laughs> I went sure. to Costco a few weeks ago and they already had Christmas shit out, and I was like, it's yeah. fucking August. Yep. The fuck. Yep. Yep. I went to find lights and lows, and they already have like a row set up for Christmas. I'm like, Jesus Christ! September's not even over yet, people. So, ugh, what are you going to do? Anyway, it's a thing. So, but uh, yeah, no, I feel you. I've been trying to do some uh, outside stuff, buttoning some things up, uh, buttoning trips up. We still got a couple family things going on, but man, it's been busy, been busy. Um, so for that reason, we're a little bit late on releasing this episode. Sorry, folks, for those of you, I'm, I'm sure you're not bated breath waiting at your door for, you know, the latest episode, but if you are, you know, write us, go ahead and, you know, it's nice. If you are, out. we appreciate you and feel free to bitch us out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, exactly. Um, so I was going to say, so this ride is pretty fun. Um, before we get into it, and I mentioned it real quick, and I wanted to, um, on Hulu, for anybody who has Hulu, there's a new movie that dropped last week and called No One Will Save You. Holy shit, dude. It is one of the best, like, UFO abductee Aliens walking around, fucking zapping her up, and like it—it's crazy. Like, and there's not a lot of words in the movie, which is makes it even weird. Yeah, like I saw on Twitter, Guillermo del Toro was talking about it and just oh. talking about it like it was a horror movie and like how there was no dialogue and stuff, and like people were like, "Yeah, it's this cool like home invasion movie." Until you just mentioned it right before we started recording, I had no idea it was about aliens. Uh, well, a different kind of home invasion, I guess, because that's yeah. what it starts out to be. Um, it wildly goes, uh, yeah, I mean, it's well done. And and I think I was telling you, like, Fire in the Sky was the last one that I saw that was like, yeah, it scared the shit out of me for, what, 96, 97, or no, what, 93, 94. It's still kind of spooky. It is just spooky, especially when he's on the ship. Um, this one kind of yeah. is the same. It, it's, yeah, they, they did a good job. So anyway, check that out. If anybody has uh, Hulu, it's really worth your time. Um, thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I don't know, man. I haven't seen a lot of movies past that one on my side. I don't know if you got any movie updates or. Oh, I've just been rewatching Robotech. (laughs) Like high as fuck. It's been great. (laughs) Just like, man, I I can totally see why I love this when I was a kid. It's so fucking dumb though. (laughs) It's so good. So dumb. It's so good. I got kicked on and I know this is me. And it's not necessarily weird. It's just fucking old. 
So we did spend time. Um, the wife had a work party over in Seattle where they like rented part of the zoo or not part of the zoo, but rented like a gazebo and everybody came and you have free tickets and that it was cool. Anyway, Johnson's first time seeing like elephants and shit, but we stay in this town about an hour and a half away. That's not, it's over the other side of the pass. So it's not hustle and bustle of Seattle, Bellevue area, little town called Cleelum. Um, there's like t- population 2000. It's really tiny. Uh, but we stayed there, and because I love that area, and there's a town up there called Roslyn. If you remember that stupid show back in the 90s called Northern Exposure. So now yeah. that's on Prime. So I was watching, just trying to get, you know, because they filmed it in this town, in Roslyn, and all this bullshit. Anyway. Yeah, it was supposed to be Alaska, but it was uh, just it w- outside w- of Seattle. It w- wasn't even close. Yeah, mom was so bent out, butt hurt. But anyway, it was still fun. So that, that was my, that's my late night go-to when I can sneak away from the wife and the baby but uh but anyway so i do have one thing before i jump in um i wanted to congratulations uh you have a a bouncing baby piece of meteorite evidently in your state did you hear about this yeah uh yeah i heard that the spacecraft i guess it is um i think i guess that's what the technical term for it is uh was gonna be landing in the uh out in the west desert um yeah dougway Dugway is where they dumped cool. it, which after you, they don't mention Dugway at all. They mention a military installation in the middle of the Utah desert. Well, there's only one, and that's Dugway. Well, technically, there's two. Oh, well, okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But I did find out it was Dugway. Um, so, yeah, they dropped that little baby off, what, Sunday, and they're going to ship it to somewhere back east, and they built a special room for it, and they're going to start taking it apart. They're worried because when they dumped it, they're, they're worried about the, the thing that they put it in. It's going to break open when it hit the ground contaminating everything and all this bullshit but it yeah. didn't so it all self-contained i just thought it was cool it's like your neck of the woods and you know dugway was part well, of that so interesting too because the uh asteroid that it was returning from that the spacecraft was returning from is one that's they think if it hits it there's like a pretty like a statistically significant but still pretty slim chance that it'll hit uh, the Earth in like twenty one thirty eight or something. I think I heard about um, that, unless yeah. it hits a certain gravity keyhole here pretty soon, and if it does that, then it'll definitely hit Earth in twenty one thirty eight. Oh, joy! Um, so it's pretty interesting, you know. Like they're the reason they wanted to get that. Uh, one of the reasons they wanted to get that sample and get it back was uh, to see like kind of what it's made out of to see what the best way to make sure it doesn't collide with us is. Well, evidently it's it's more just a bunch of gravel and rubble more than anything. Like it's not a solid solid, which is good. Yeah. Right. Because that's not yeah, easier to easier to whatever we're going to do with it. Yeah. But it's cool yeah. because this thing that the, the spaceship I get. Yeah. Which is what you yeah, I guess that's the right thing to call it. Fuck. I don't know. Um, but it dropped it off and it's heading off to hit another meteorite like in 2029. And so it's back on doing its little rover fucking space thing, whatever Sick. it's doing. You know, it's kind of, it's like, ah, uh, that's kind of cool. You know, you didn't hear yeah. that shit, you know, Robbie the robot out there collecting uh, samples in space. There's that. So danger, anyway. Will Robinson, danger. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of cool. But anyway, um, you got anything before we start? We can jump into the episode. Uh, no, let's, let's do it. Let's do it too. Okay, cool. Um, this one, so we can kick again, kicking this around for a little bit and it fascinates me because, you know, obviously you know, with this podcast, we talk about UFOs, we talk a little bit about everything, but recently the landscape of UFOs in general, especially like what, how we're handling it in the United States is holy shit. Like I never thought it would be like this. And and again, we tell and we tell when John was on the podcast. Look, you know, I think we're about as close to disclosure as maybe we'll come. Maybe that's not the case. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know where we go. When you look at statistics, and we can start there. Um, this actually was I pulled a couple of them. This is the latest off a 2022 poll. Sixty eight percent of Americans believe in UFOs. Fifty uh, six believe they are from another world or not our own, which is a pretty good chunk to believe that which is cool. Yeah. Um, and as of recently, like we said, we got this little uptick, especially the upper end officials. You know, they got a, they got a group together. They're dedicating time into it. Um, it's on the news, like yada, yada. It, it really is crazy. And I think, you know, and correct me if you know maybe something that I, but I, you know, there really hasn't been that much of an uptick since like the Blue Book days where, okay, we're going to investigate it. We're going to take time. We're going to put a committee together. We're going to do it. Uh, Blue Book, we know how that turned out. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is. This is the first time since then that I, I think we've got noticeable traction on the ground to look into this stuff. So, yeah, I think any investigations 
that happened between uh blue book and like say when the public found out about osap and a tip was right all pretty fucking clandestine you know what i mean like yep, yep. if you reported it they were like uh that's not real buy and then yeah. would maybe <laughs> look into it on the dl but yeah mostly we're just like in eh, whatever psycho hundred uh, percent. And, and again, I'll stand by the whole thing is, you know, a lot of this happened, uh, obviously, you know, the, the ticked, uh, the tic tac and all that shit, 2017, it went from there, you know, 2020 COVID and how all kinds of UFO news during the COVID, but everybody was in a lockdown. So what the fuck? Right. So just yeah. weird timing in general. Um, but that's how we handle it. And, you know, it's fascinating. The whole ecosystem of UFOlogy, where it's going, what it is. I mean, it, it, I never thought it would be on national news. It is. Um, a lot of things to say about that. But with that being said, that's how we're handling it in the good old United States of USA. How are other countries handling it, right? Um, and every country handles it different. Chile is a very good example. Yeah. Peru, we talked about this last three or four, like this weird shit. And it's still in the news, by the way. Um, and now they have the alien mummies that came up in Mexico. <laughs> like it just, oh god, it yeah. is like holy we shit. Should, we should dig into that one of these days just for fun. I just would love to that pick whole that mess apart. Is insane. Well, not to sidestep, but did you hear the, the latest that they actually have scientists saying, "Oh no, we've scanned them, we've studied them. They have uh, petrified eggs inside one of them. They were pregnant." Like now they're on this fucking tangent. I just uh, like, yeah, I, it's so weird. I've shit. seen that, and then I've seen other scientists be like. These are fake as fuck. We've seen them before. We saw them 10 years ago. They're fake as fuck. Right, you know, right. so it's just like, depends on who you ask, I guess. I, and I'll tell you, honestly, I sent it out to you, you got you and John, but uh, I missed it like four or five years ago when it was making the rounds for some reason. I, I don't know how I missed it, but I it was new to me. And I was like, oh, when they started making the rounds again, just recently, I thought it was the ones that they always talk about on uh, Ancient Aliens. Oh, because of okay. Where they were found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gotcha. So I always think that they're the they're those ones that have been kind of debunked as being like, well, some weird little animals or something. Yeah. But, um, again, Peru, you know, seems to be like the focal point as of lately for all kinds of weird UFO alien shit. I, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, and it's you interesting know? too, because a lot of countries in like South America and like, in, even in Europe, like mm -hmm. France used to be, I don't know if they still are, but for a long time they were pretty open about it. You know what I mean? Like if, if they didn't, uh, give people the kind of shit that the u.s post operation or project blue book right did. right you know what i yeah. mean like if you reported the sighting it was taken seriously and investigated and mm -hmm. yada yada you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah well and again you know there's some countries that really take it to heart like they really when you something cited like again chile i brought up as an example for whatever reason that country just is holy shit they take it so like as far as they're concerned they're building these UFOs within Chile. Like, they, it's crazy how they yeah. look at things. But, you know, we talk about that. We talk about how we look at it we, and other countries, too. So what we did, we did some research, and we picked a country. And I don't, you know, and actually you um, email back. I think it would be great to actually do the exact same write-up in different countries. You know, yeah, how, how do they handle it? a fun little mini-series. Yeah, you know? you know, how do they handle it? What's their history? Um, you know, because of your culture, your culture is going to change your atmosphere and your ecosystem, no matter what it is, you know, whether it's like your yeah. belief, da, da, da. It, it shouldn't change with UFOs, right? So we did some research on one and we picked one. It's a little odd. Um, one of the reasons we picked it was just because I've been there and I had serious conversations with people in this country about uh, their viewpoints in UFO, their viewpoints in religion and how maybe that's part of UFOs, um, all this other stuff. So we want to do, you know, eventually we'll probably do that. But we're going to pick this one. And this one here we picked was Japan. Okay. So kind of weird. We get it, you know. But the odd factors about how Japan, I guess how they handle things and how they handle UFO report, especially as of late, it has been a drastic change. And I think because the military has gotten more involved, some of the upper echelon of, of their, you know, like the Japanese prime minister and his little you know, their world up there, they legitimately are worried about like military presence. Are these things going to do this? Are they going to do that? So in the last three to five years, the viewpoint of UFOs in Japan has drastically changed and we'll kind of cover that. But uh, that's one of the reasons that, 
you know, we kind of wanted to do this on this one. Um, how they deal with it, you know, their, fir- their first-hand encounters, their fringe topics, um, weird facts, figures, history, and sightings. All this stuff is going to be in here. Um, but I think we're also going to put a little bit, like we usually do, you know, not wild speculations, but I think we're going to speculate a bit. And somewhat reckless. Yeah, you know. somewhat reckless. No, that's all right. Well, well let's, you know, but, and you know, this is, like I said, sometimes this is how cultures mold themselves and they perceive things. And this is a very good example of it. And so we are going to actually jump into the history of Japanese UFOs, viewpoints, um, literally towns that have made a thing out of it, and uh, we can go from there. So open the gates. All right. right. So, uh, Shane, the top countries for UFO sightings, who has the most? Who, who, who you ready for the top five? That, yeah, you know what? And again, <laughs> I hate to be a selfish American going, oh, wait, we do, we do. But I don't know if that's the case. Well, well maybe it coming is the case. In at, Yeah, let's let's go through the list. Uh, coming in at, in fifth place is Spain, which has seen a total of 3,650 sightings since 1947. Hmm. The Canary Islands and the Balearic Islands are regions with the most UFO sightings in Spain in fourth place is France with 5,000 zero 5,000 zero 5,068 <laughs> sightings reported since uh, 1954 in 2017 alone. France had 455 reported sightings, which is higher than any other year on record mm. in third place is China with over 8,000 sightings reported since the 1980s. Beijing and Shanghai are the cities with the most reported sightings. Um, hmm. The second highest number of sightings is recorded in Canada, where, oh, uh, with Canada. over 15,000 sightings have wow. been reported uh, since 1989 there. And drumroll. Oh, wait. Don't drumroll yet. Premature oh, drumroll. Damn it. I was um, ready. In 2020 alone, Canada recorded 1,243 sightings of UFOs. Uh, hmm. And finally, here we can drumroll. The country <laughs> with the highest number of the reported sightings in the United States is the United States of America, not in the United States. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> well, of see. course. So, <laughs> of course. Hmm. According to the National UFO Reporting Center, where uh, there have been over 105,000 reported sightings and encounters of UFOs in the United States since 1947, with the highest number of sightings, the USA is the most popular country for people interested in ufology. Uh, These numbers are from a 2020 study, and uh, the numbers match up with other studies done during the same time frame, uh, just in case any of you were doubting our uh, our, thorough data gathering research. skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Japan doesn't even make this list mm. um, in case anyone noticed its conspicuous mm. absence. Um, although we couldn't find hard numbers, we stumbled on a bunch of articles uh, where within the last three years, Japan has made leaps and bounds in documented UFO sightings. Um, and we'll try and cover why we think this is. Uh, but we did find that in 2022, Japan had 452 reported sightings, which is triple the sightings of past years. And according to the International UFO Laboratory, uh, they say 149 of those cases were not altered and cannot be debunked. Gotcha. You know, so a couple things. Number one, the years surprised me, like when they talk about reported since 1980, since 1989. Like, these other countries really don't have as much of a history, I think, as we do with you. And again, don't know if that's more kooks involved or whatever have you, but yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Um, But yeah, Japan didn't even make the list. However, the reason we picked Japan on this one is because of their drastic recent change i guess of viewpoints not only within the government but within the culture um but with that being said we are going to talk about this international ufo laboratory because it is pretty (laughs) it's pretty amazing uh especially who runs it kind of funny you know we'll get into all that stuff but we did want to cover some sightings that we had in the history right so japan even though they don't have huge numbers they had some very earliest uh very interesting ones to to be honest with you um, one of the first ones actually recorded uh, UFO sightings. It was by the Japanese military, which most of the time militaries are involved here. Uh, happened in 1933 when a group of soldiers on the northern island of Hokkaido observed a glowing object in the sky that moved in a zigzag pattern and then disappeared into the clouds. Uh, according to a report in the Asahi Shimbun newspaper, the incident caused widespread excitement and speculation about what the object could have been. Again, this 1933. 
another popular one by the military happened during World War II, which are tons of sightings of World War II. Uh, a lot of people, not sidestepping here, but a lot of people believe, especially in the UFO community, that you know nuclear plants, military wars, things of that are happening. There's a lot more sightings because for whatever reason they're trying to tell us not to do it or they're attracted by how fucking dumb we are. I, I don't know, whatever, you know, the jury's out. Right. But uh, again, usually military is involved with a lot of that stuff. So the Japanese military reported a number of sightings of mysterious Japanese Naval officers on a ship in the Pacific ocean observed a group of glowing objects flying in formation. Uh, the officer described the objects as being circular in shape with a bright red light in the center and traveling at an incredible speed. According to the reports, the objects were seen by multiple witnesses and were even captured on film, which I tried to find it, couldn't find anything on YouTube or wherever else where they had it. A couple of pictures, but again, like anything else nowadays, eh, yeah, you know, Photoshop, and I, I, I digress. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the years following World War II, the Japanese military continued to observe and report UFO sightings. One notable incident occurred in 1951 when two Japanese fighter planes were scrambled to intercept a mysterious object that was flying over the country. According to reports, object was described as a large round craft with a metallic surface and was seen by several witnesses on the ground before it disappeared into the sky. Of course, we would be amiss if we didn't cover the encounter in 1986. I don't know if you remember this one. I do. Um, I brought a lot of mass appeal, a lot of press to it. Um, technically not seen over Japan, but they did interact with uh, what a Japanese pilot said mm-hmm. uh, was yes. three different vessels. Remember, remember hearing about this? It was bigger yeah, than this I is thought like it was. The, this is like one of the staple of not just ancient aliens, but like any UFO show, they're going to talk about oh, this because yeah. Yeah. it was very well documented. Mm-hmm. And then the evidence... Went was whisked away. away allegedly by yeah. the government. Yeah, exactly. Again, so. 1986. Well, and not only the pilot seeing him, but his co-pilot, people that were on the plane have accounts and reporting. And like you said, it's really hard to find if you stick, start digging into what actually occurred. But uh, according to this pilot, uh, he said there are three different vessels. Um, three UFOs played tag with a Japan Airlines cargo flight 1628 for roughly 50 minutes while they were visually observed by a sometimes terrified flight crew. During the last 30 minutes, the UFOs were tracked on military and civilian radar, and the entire encounter was verified by a high-level administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration. But again, uh, the incident received media coverage around the world then, but now looking back on it, um, yeah, kind of kind of weird how everything goes away. So, Well, it was the high-level administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration that said that it was like they showed all this evidence to like a review panel. And then uh, some dude in a suit in the back of the room was like, that's really cool. Are these the only tapes? And they were like, yeah. And they took him and he was like, this never happened and we were never here. There you go. Man in black at, it's an epitome, right? So yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this dude, the FAA guy, I can't remember his name, but he claims that the guy wasn't secretive. He straight up said he was from the CIA and was like, no, that's a done deal. Uh Well, yeah. crazy. Well, especially, you know, like I said, that, that's fairly modern, right? 86. I mean, my God, yeah. you know, we, we're starting to cameras work better now and all this other stuff. Um, crazy. So, yeah, that was a big one. Uh, other honorary mentions uh, we should have is the Nanjing UFO incident in 1974, uh, where a large glowing object was seen hovering over the city of Nanjing, and the Shiga UFO incident in 1978, which uh, in which a group of people reported seeing a strange glowing object moving erratically in the sky. These were two pretty big predictable uh, UFO encounters. Multiple people saw them, multiple people called the news, reported them on their emergency channels, all that other stuff. That's why that's why we mentioned them. Um, in the recent years, there's also, also been several reports of UFO sightings near Mount Fuji, which, go figure, uh, we covered the suicide force, other weird shit that goes on mm-hmm. that. But uh, Japan's tallest, most iconic mountain, in case you guys don't know, and as with all UFO sightings, the true nature of these events remain a topic of debate and speculation, which, uh, again, when Josh, you were talking about the 500-something-odd reporting of the UFOs, and they said, okay, 149 of these are not altered, they actually are doing their, I guess, homework on trying to go, okay, no, this is bullshit. No, we can't see anything wrong with this one. Yeah, like, clearly this is a balloon. Get the fuck out of here. Right, exactly. Fucking knock it off the list. Um, so, you know, there's different groups, not only the government, uh, and mainly military by you, mind you, but uh, that are doing their little, hey, you know, let's do our research. And, and they do it pretty good for the most part. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, moving on to another one that you guys should actually be pretty familiar with if you spent any time watching Ancient Aliens because they have like mined this one for everything they can. Oh, on that have show. they? Re- okay, see, oh, so yeah. I, I don't watch um, Ancient Aliens, so that, that's okay. I, Interesting. <laughs> I haven't watched it regularly for a very, very, very long time, but mm-hmm. uh, used to be a huge fan, and like this one came up a lot on that show, which is you know. Awesome because it's a cool story. It's, well, it's a cool story, part of their folklore, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is the Utsuru Buni story. Um, so this one is pretty weird, uh, mostly because it plays a big part in, uh, like you said, Shane, their folklore going back a little ways. Uh, so whether it's true or not, obviously up for debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but the research that went into it over the centuries makes it worth a mention. Um, and apologies ahead of time. A lot of Japanese lingo in this story, a lot of names, <laughs> yeah. uh, bear with us as we try not to kill every name. I've never been to Japan. Unlike some people, um, <laughs> and I still so... will probably kill them, but still you're <laughs> so far. You're doing pretty good. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> um, in 1803, a round vessel drifted ashore on the Japanese coast and a beautiful woman emerged, Ooh. hubba hubba, uh. as always. Uh, she was wearing strange clothing and carrying a box. Oh, no, a box. <laughs> um, she was unable to communicate with the locals and her craft was marked in mysterious writing. The story of the Utsurubuni or hollow ship took place in the province of Hitachi. I love Hitachi products, uh, which is <laughs> now... Ibaraki prefecture and is found in many records of the Edo period, which lasted from 1603 to 1868. Mm-hmm. At first, many theorized that the incident was an embellished account concerning a shipwrecked Russian whaler, uh, but could not find any mention of such a disaster in official records. One professor, specifically uh, Tanaka Kazuo, professor emeritus at Gifu University, has researched the specific story for over a decade because there are different variations of the encounter written down in Japanese history. This makes it hard to separate fact from legend. Mm-hmm. However, he has found 11 documents relating to the Hitachi Utsurubuni legend. Uh, the most interesting are thought to date from 1803, the same year that the craft was said to have come ashore. Hmm. So that's cool. It's not like uh like, you know, 50 years later. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's see. So one is the, uh, Mito Bunsho owned by a collector in Mito Ibaraki prefecture. Um, yeah. These neighborhoods. So, far, so, so <laughs> the Japanese neighborhoods are weird by the way, because they're like districts, almost not necessarily towns or villages. I, that's hard to explain, but with say prefecture, that's like the it's eastern like area state, or the, yeah, right? it's a weird, yeah, it's how they, or like how a they, county. Yeah. It's how they nomenclature it. it. It It's a bit odd. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Where was I? I okay, here we go. So, uh, Tanaka noticed that the woman's clothing in an illustration in the work was like that of a Bodhisattva statue at the Shofukuji temple in mm. Kamisu, also in Ibaraki, uh, which is dedicated to the raising of silkworms. All right, that's weird. That probably <laughs> wouldn't be such a mouthful if uh, there weren't so many letters. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, sorry, Japanese listeners. Uh, <laughs> One doing of the you, best. two of you. Uh, um, a legend credits the start of Siri culture, which every time I read through this made me think of Robotech because I've been watching it and how they talk oh, about proto culture all the time. That's funny. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Siri culture in the area to uh, Princess Kanjiki or Golden Princess, mm. who is a motif in images at the temple. In one version of the story, Princess Konjiki is washed up to shore after traveling from India on a dugout boat in the shape of a cocoon. She repays the kindness of a local couple who try to nurse her back to health by bestowing on them the secret of Siri culture when she herself becomes a silkworm after her death. Uh, that's weird, but okay. Yeah, there's more to it, but it was so convoluted. It, it's another offshoot story of how all that came about and why they raised silkworms there. Like, it's all intertwined. It's a weird, I don't know, it's a weird thing. Sure, anyway, why not? There you go. They're run with it. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Among the various materials, only the illustration in the Mito document appeared greatly like Princess Kanjiki, uh, Tanaka thinks this thinks that when the first rumors of a hollow ship coming ashore at the beach called Kashi Manada 
were spreading, the people at Shon Shofukuji may have decided to incorporate it into uh, promotion of that temple. So, you know, uh, jumping on the wave, I guess. Yeah, that's um, kind of what it sounds like. You know, not not yeah. as much mysterious as it is. Hey, it's part of history. I think this is what happened. Again, this is just one document that he's taken it from, too. So, you know. Yeah, of the 11 that are yeah, fairly right, right, thorough, right. incredible, right? <laughs> um, Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. Another even more important source is the Banke Buncho or Banke document owned by Kawakami Jinichi, the heir to the Koka or Ninjutsu arts. Oh shit. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're, now we're cooking with gas. Um, it is named after the Banke or Bon family of Koka Ninja. While some other materials say the vessel came ashore at locations like Harayadori or Haratanahama, there is no evidence that such places exist, which is crazy with names like that. How could they not? <laughs> um, Jesus. That's, a, that's a lot of letters sure, sure, for a place up, that guys. ain't real. Yeah. Um, this document, however, records the location as uh, Hitachihara Shahirama, which appeared in a map produced by the famous cartographer cartographer Ino Tadataka and is now known as Hasaki Sharihama in Kamisu. Tanaka comments that while the other materials show geographical inconsistencies, this document mentions a real place name. Uh, he says that Kawakami suggested a Banke member might have been assembling information while working for the head of the Awari domain. If so, Tanaka said he wouldn't record any untruths. So we can say the document is very reliable from a certain point of view. Holy shit. And that, and sorry folks for the documents, but so this guy, this uh, Tanaka, Professor Tanaka, I guess, you know, he's taken so much like decades, literally involving it because there's all these different accounts you know the 11 that he found and like you said i didn't hear the ancient aliens but there's a lot wrapped up into you know was it actual history that happened or was it actually something and i kind of we're going to get into it a little bit now yeah it sounds like honestly like not even even when the event happened not everybody thought it was like necessarily a ufo thing right exactly like people on the fence no it could be this it could be that again russian whalers all that stuff you know comes out of it um okay my turn i'm gonna butcher some words here we go so yeah uh, party (laughs) the folklorist yana got uh yanagita konoyo once said that all of utsuyobuni legends were groundless fictions quote but in the case of the hatachi utsuburuni uh, there's a clear difference from other stories around the country, Tanaka says. For one, it's specified as have t- having taken place in 1803, and then it's strange that there are specific pictures of the craft showing it as resembling a flying saucer, which uh, I did stumble on a bunch of pictures that were written yeah. with these documents. That's what makes it interesting. Because the, I mean, granted, this is, you know, 16, oh, you know, the Edo period, but still, man, I don't know. It sure looks like UFO to me. I don't know what else they get. It's not a dugout canoe, right? Yeah, I've seen so, some of the like illustrations and stuff. Uh, I don't think that they were, there was like an actual film camera around. I mean, I think they were around in 1803, maybe, but uh, yeah, no, not 1803. Um, but anyway, uh, I haven't seen like photographs, but I've seen mm. illustrations and some of them look pretty outlandish and some of them look like it could be like a covered boat <laughs> yeah, well yeah and granted and some you know maybe a 10 year old drew this type thing anyway and there's yeah. more to that here um let me see there's something flying saucer but japan was largely closed off then so if there were a wreck of a foreign ship or foreign people had arrived in the country it would have been a huge event and government officials would have been involved they would investigate it they would have left a public document about it all this stuff but that never happened so there are countless- yeah, because Japan was closed until like it was almost it, almost the very like isolated. the last half of the 
yeah, of the turn of the century, kind of century, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, when they start opening up and turning into a bunch of assholes, decide they're going to take over Korea, then the world, and that's kind of you know changed their whole um, aspect of things. But, uh, Japan, um, yeah, you know, I love Japan. I got a heart, but I'll tell you, honest and side note. Um, been to Japan, been to Korea. Uh, we used to actually go to Chinhei, Korea for this thing called the Rock uh, Project, where we had to pull in and we had to load up this fake ambassador of Korea as quick as we could and pull out just in case North Korea invaded. Like, we did it three times a year. It was insane. Anyway, yeah. listening to the Koreans talk about how the Japanese treated them, especially during the war, and like, literally, they tried to cut down almost every fucking tree in Korea. Like one, it was horrendous. They use their, 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 their females were slaves or like, it was just not a pretty picture for the Japanese people at that time. Yeah. It, you, know? you know, imperialism tends to uh, not work out yeah. great for anyone really <laughs> at all, except the people doing said imperialistic shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's that anyway. Um, but anyway, they said it would have been a big thing. would have been a public document around it. Uh, there are countless mysteries connected with the hollow ship, such as the meaning of the script written inside it. Tanaka says that one theory has it that it resembles the pseudo-Roman letters sometimes seen in the border of Ikio E. Prince. Uh, Tanaka states, So it might be simple decorative, although it's not impossible that we'll discover evidence that it's an alien script, he says with a big exclamation point. Uh, yeah. There are likely to be further discoveries of currently unknown materials related to the Utsuyorobuni and new revelations. Um, and again, we mentioned this because this legend is so appealing. Um, it's been possible to, to come up with many different theories around it. You mentioned the ancient aliens things. Uh, having a story like this in Japan from 140 years before the American UFO sightings that stimulates the imagination to the extent reminds me of how deep and fascinating Japanese culture can be. And that's a quote, again, from Professor Tanaka. Um, and that's one yeah. of the reasons he, he's been studying for all this time because um, it, it's grounded in their history at this point. So, well, and whenever they talk about the like strange characters, it always makes me think of Arabesh, the language in Star Wars. Oh, shit. <laughs> really? That's funny. Yeah, just because the characters, uh, like if you look at the the characters that they use for the like Star Wars alphabet or whatever, right, right, like right. whenever you see something written in yeah. Star Wars, it looks kind of like somewhere between like Chinese and Japanese characters kind that's, of, you know what I that's mean? That's funny. No. And I know, so the Japanese symbol, the the red, they call it kanji is what they call it. Um, and they go like when they write it, it's not like a book where you read from left to right forward, you read opposite of that. And then everything's in columns. Uh, it's a lot more prettier of a written language than Chinese is, or am I? humble opinion um but yeah it's called kanji it's very interesting but yeah i can see the, i can see the the interface who's gonna know right we'll throw this word up there um yeah. quick stupid fucking side note again but since i've been there i can tell a couple stories so that's what i'm gonna do so um yeah why not shit we got all night right the uh so when we went there or when i went there first time out of the country not know what the hell is going on flew in on this red eye flight middle of tokyo not knowing anything like I, they did give me a, there was no, Hey, introduction to, there was none of that. I watched Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck, um, on the last oh, no. half of the trip, <laughs> they got off the fucking plate. And if it wasn't for a chief that was coming back from a uh, leave from the Philippines with him and his wife, I would have been screwed because you cannot get around. So he showed me, he got me to where I needed to go. He got, you know, military papers do all this stuff. Anyway, when he was talking about Yakuska, he goes, hey, we live over here in Yakamura. We're nowhere close to the base. But what you want to look for is fat man, skinny man, eating dinner, watching TV. And I'm like, what? that makes no fucking sense. But when you look at the symbols for the towns, the town of Yakuska looked like a fat man and a skinny man standing side by side. And then a man watching TV and the man cooking dinner. Like, that's what the, the symbol of Yakuska looked like. <laughs> and if it wasn't for that, I never would have fucking found the base and <laughs> got where I needed to go. But... Anyway, you know, work workarounds, right? When you don't, uh, when you don't speak yeah. Japanese. But um, another side note, we want to say a little bit. So we talked about that story, which, which again, it, it's grounded in in the Japanese culture pretty substantially. So we'd be amiss if we didn't mention it. Um, on the subject of culture, too, we should mention, or you know, we're going to postulate this might be wild speculation again that the Shinto religion plays a part in Japan's viewpoints of the UFO culture. Um, not saying it does, but we believe that it probably does. So in the Shinto religion, they believe in entities known as uh, the kamis. Uh, kami is an all-embracing term which signifies God, spirits, deified mortals, ancestors, natural phenomena, supernatural powers. It all is wrapped up in one thing. Um, all of these kami can influence people's everyday lives, and so they are worshipped 
given offerings, solicited for aid, and in some cases, appealed to for their skills in divination. So Cami are attracted by purity, both physical and spiritual, and uh, repelled by the lack of it, including disharmony. Um, And that's one cool thing about that culture that was everything's a balance. And, And I really, you walk away knowing that with that culture. It's really interesting. But on the side notes, the cami are particularly associated with nature and maybe present sites such as mountains, waterfalls, trees. Um, there's said to be almost 8 million of them, and each family has its own ancestral cami attached to the family, which, again, is kind of badass. So, But they're known to be a cosmic as well. And I remember having a very end of that conversation with a Japanese friend of mine. He was explaining how the cami are viewed to be from the stars or from the cosmic realm, so many Japanese equate them to perhaps being extraterrestrial visitors that come down or spirits of the extraterrestrial visitors. Um, and this kind of does tie into the whole culture viewpoint of UFOs in Japan um, and all this other stuff, too. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, also, the founder of the International UFO Laboratory um, is one of them, one of the beliefs in this. And we'll get to him in a bit. But I just I want to throw that in there because sometimes, well, not sometimes, let's not beat the bullshit. A lot of times religion plays a huge part in viewpoints and what people perceive as could it be this or could it be this. Japan's no different, right? So yeah. just wanted to kind of throw it out there. But Yeah, like interesting tidbit. I had a college history class where the teacher was talking, like we were talking about cradle of civilization stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, basically Abraham got kicked out of Sumer because uh, he was being a dick, basically. Nobody liked him. So he got him and his family got tossed. I think it was Sumer. It might've been Ur. Anyway, one of those ancient Mesopotamian cities, right? Yeah, and yeah. everyone had something similar to Akami. Like they all had like a household God, basically. Mm-hmm. And the quote unquote, one true God was, uh, the household god of Abraham's house, and that's where you get the whole like they're out in a desert, kind of nowhere oh, to go, and the yeah, and yeah. God says uh, to Abraham, um, "What? Oh, fuck, I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically like if you worship no other gods before me, then I'll take care of you and all that stuff." And that's how we got the uh, Abrahamic, oh, Abrahamic God. Oh, there, there you go. So there's yeah. that. Hmm, Christianity is not a monotheism theistic mm. religion. It's just you're not allowed to worship any of the uh, other guys. I don't. I don't want to talk about Christianity right now. Um, moving on. <laughs> so, just so frustrating. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, no, very good point. Very good point. You know, again, viewpoints and cultures, right? You know, but anyway, I yeah. digress. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> I was like, okay, Shane, uh, that was my tidbit. What were we waiting for? Anyway. Um, UFOs have been discussed, especially in recent times, in the upper echelons of their government, there being the Japanese government. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example happened on December 10th, 2007, when journalists asked whether the Japanese government had ever confirmed the existence of UFOs to the administration of then Prime Minister Fukuda Yasuo. Eight days later, the Fukuda government replied to the question with an with a quote unquote unofficial view uh-huh. that the Japanese government had never confirmed the existence of UFOs and that the government had never considered measures against the possible arrival of UFOs in the territory of Japan. Again, unofficial view. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, some Japanese ministers contradicted the government's statement, in particular, then Defense Minister Ishiba Shigeru argued that there was no evidence proving that UFOs or extraterrestrials terrestrials did not exist also former first lady hatayama miyuki claimed that she was abducted by a triangular shaped ufo and in an article from 2009 she described the event oops (laughs) (laughs) quote while my body was asleep i think my soul rode on a triangular shaped ufo and went to venus miyuki at the time was 66 and described the extraterrestrial experience which she said took place some 20 years ago in a book entitled very strange things i've encountered catchy Uh, very catchy she said it was a very beautiful place and it was really green which is uh not venus (laughs) Um, (laughs) jesus this was uh, a bit problematic at the time, being that she was the wife of Yukio Hatayama, who was due to be voted in as premier that year after his party's crushing election victory over the long-ruling Liberal Democrat Party. When she awoke, Japan's next first lady wrote, she told her now ex-husband 
uh, Yukio Hatayama that she had just been to Venus. He advised her that it was probably just a dream, which sounds to me a lot like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Do you know I'm supposed to take, knock your bat shit off. (laughs) Now is not the time. I kind of got a thing going on. Can you hush hush for a while till everything's done and over with? Yeah. A bit, a bit problematic when, uh, when your wife comes up with shit like that, you're running for fucking (laughs) Japanese Congress or wherever the fuck. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, you know, of course, when we had the infamous leak of 2017 Tic Tac Incense, which we talked about, um, it overflowed into other countries, such as Japan. So Osaka CG, a lawyer, a lawmaker of the House of Representatives who belongs to the Constitutional Democratic Party of Japan, asked several questions regarding Japan's security policy to the Abe administration on February 16th, 2018. Specifically, Osaka asked if the language regarding an armed attack situation or a survival threatening situation as stipulated in the peace and security legislation could be applied to possible attacks by UFOs. That's pretty fucking specific. I mean, if you're really going to get to it, that, that's, that's the way to do it. Um, yeah. Osaka, moreover, asked if Japan should exercise the right to collectively self-defense to protect U.S. forces in the event of possible armed attack, attacks by UFOs. So... Nobody answered right away. However, 11 days later, the Abe administration expressed an unofficial statement again that the government had never recognized the existence of UFOs and had never formulated necessary measures against the arrival of UFOs. However, in 2020, the Japanese military began instructing pilots to take photos of and record all that is inexplicable in the skies. However, even though, uh, even though those are examples of the Japanese government's stance on the phenomena, the Japanese population doesn't share the same sentiment, which is kind of weird. Um, this shift in Japanese policy appears to have been triggered by a meeting with the U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper, Again, this goes back to that whole 20, hey, are they dangerous type thing? Because this yeah. is what's going on in the United States, and this is what people on this aircraft carrier are seeing, right? Um, he highlighted uh, the increasing global cooperation on UFO investigations. Theorists and researchers view this shift in policy as significant evidence that governments worldwide now acknowledging the potential reality of objects in our skies that may not originate from our planet. So we bring this up because it that whole TikTok it did have overflow and it did there were other countries that did the exact same thing. Holy shit, the United States can't tell us what this stuff is. Should we be worried? And so, you know, you have reporters asking the Japanese government, should we be worried? And here we are. So even though they say no, okay, no, we're not worried, but could you start taking pictures just in case just in case? Because maybe, you know. So anyway, yeah. there's that. Good times. Great times. Oh, even. right. Yeah. Uh, Much like the accounts here in the U.S. where UFOs are reportedly seen near nuclear plants and military installations, it's no different in Japan, apparently. Uh, The known hotspots do include the greater regions around Hiroshima and Nagasaki and further north, another town in the Fukushima Prefecture District, formerly known for its nuclear meltdown brought on by the 2011 tsunami. Ah. Uh, and it has billed itself as the Roswell of Japan and the home of UFOs. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was wild, dude. Back in 2011, I, I remember. Like, I, I remember that shit. Like, I'm like, what is happening? What What's going on? Uh, yeah, I remember friends that live on the West Coast, like in California and Seattle and stuff, were posting like Fallout maps and like, uh, saying, yeah, no shit, it, it's coming. Our way. That's fucked up. It's coming our way. Don't eat yeah, the fish. It was wild. Oh, what what a time egg. to be alive. Anyway, oh. um, in that region, the neighborhood of Linomachi, located on the sacred Mount Sengen Mori, has become a nationwide center for UFO lovers and ufologists. The people who are fond of searching for extraterrestrial intelligences from all over the world consider this zone anomalous. Uh, Sengen Mori Mountain has long been shrouded in mystery with its towering conical peak, seemingly defying compasses and the presence of sphinx-shaped megaliths arranged in intricate patterns nearby uh, and my wanting to know more is intensifying. I would like to know if they are like just rocks so that they have don't eroded know, weird or if they're or they like don't know made or... so yeah so I, I stumbled on this it is they don't know who they think a, a local village that disbanded or something happened and they got ran out by a enemy village whatever made it for like worshiping purposes but it's nowhere else in the country of japan so they don't know 
And it's the same thing with like Mount Fuji. If you remember, you know, we covered the suicide forest. Mount mm-hmm. Fuji too has gravi- gravitational anomalies that happen with like compasses. Yeah, yeah, things aren't, like uh, you know, compasses go haywire. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Maybe Japan is just a land of mystery. Ooh, there you go. Uh, stories of UFO sightings and close encounters with otherworldly guests have been circulating in the city for several decades, so much so that UFO statues can be found on all the streets and even the city's official mascot, a small white alien piloting a golden <laughs> flying saucer. Of course. Uh, that's another Japanese thing that I love that they all the little towns and cities <laughs> have so mascots. Funny. <laughs> oh, I know. It's crazy. Get wild. Uh, uh Lino has learned, or uh, sorry, has leaned into the fame brought on by the phenomena. The town has operated a UFO museum since 1992. In addition to a range of extraterrestrial sculptures and carvings, local resident and ufologist Yuichi Aso told a reporter that a magnetic anomaly is observed on the mountain due to the composition of local rocks, suggesting that extraterrestrial civilizations can use it to recharge their flying vehicles or to extract resources. Oh, Tesla. Okay. Before Tesla was Tesla. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to wirelessly charge my UFO, please. <laughs> um, the reporter was convinced of this by looking at his compass in several places near the mountain uh, in the Senen, Sengen Mori area. The compass needle began to turn, no longer showing where north and south actually were. I picture it spinning like a propeller and maybe even taking flight. Um, on the, <laughs> on June go. 24th, 2021, an international UFO laboratory opened its doors. Uh, this is... Uh, the aforementioned UFO laboratory um, housed inside the UFO museum. It has over 3000 exhibits and receives around 30,000 people from around the world yearly. A side note, which may or may not be prudent to add to the conversation. This could be fun. Uh, The laboratory is run by Mikami Takaharu, who also is the editor-in-chief of Mew Monthly, which is a Japanese occult magazine that has been around since 1979. So, so have you? So, I found a couple of uh, online uh, magazine, basically of this Moo magazine, this Moo Monthly. Holy shit, it is out there! Like it is out there. Oh, actually, mm. and some of it is covered here too. Uh, if you continue to read, it's just crazy. Yeah. But it's been going strong since '79, and people love it. So, yeah. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, recent articles have included topics like an Illuminati card that predicted predicted the assault on the U.S. Capitol. I would like to know if that was beforehand. <laughs> right. um, in China, a bottle found embedded in lava estimated to be several million years old. Okay, I would like to know more. Uh-huh. A UFO with a peculiar W shape spotted over Shikoku and the skull of a non-human hominid unearthed in Niigata Prefecture. Also saying that Mr. Takaharu has his mind made up. Oh, sorry. We're not saying that Mr. Takahara has his mind made up but. on UFOs, but he's got his mind made up. <laughs> well, him. and I, you know, again, okay. Cole, he runs the museum, but he also runs this thing. And this is, a, uh, you know, the guy's stuck in weird daily. So, uh, you know, yeah, it, it is what it is. So anyway, um, other word notables to mention as we wrap this whole thing up is the one uh, Horikoshi Jiro. Uh, he was one that designed the famous Japanese Zero fighter using the Asia-Pacific War, and he researched a mechanism of flying saucers from the perspective of aeronautical technology. Uh, notably, Horikoshi drafted an unpublished research paper on flying saucers, and it is inferred that the paper was written after the UFO sighting by the one and only Kenneth Arnold on June 24th, 1947, that was the UFO's originally panned flying saucers uh, that was around Mount Rainier. Most of you should know that. Um, I so keep thinking that. I keep forgetting that was 1947. For some I, reason, that I crazy? think it's the 70s. Yeah, and I don't know. I, the same thing. My mind gets all clutchy with that. And then to realize that, wait a minute, this is, it's his yeah, saying. Right and the, after and the World reporters. War II. Right, exactly, exactly. So, and also, like, the Zero was a insanely it, awesome it, it really fighter was. plane. Oh, like, yeah, shit. Like, Dude's, dude's a hell of an engineer. It was the best thing they had. So, yeah, even though he was an engineer, a little bit of a kook, but, uh, you know, maybe that's why the planes is as good as it is. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. um, UFO sightings around the globe have continuously fascinated many people in Japan. And a Japanese game company, uh, Taisho, developed the classic video game Space Invaders, which um, I didn't know who did that. Uh, since many hours playing that. <laughs> I know, right? In, in Martin's Inn and Victor Montana, fucking A. 
Um, since arrival of occasionally discussed, oh, since arrival of UFOs might be a possible threat to the peace and security of Japan, Japanese lawmakers have occasionally discussed the topic, which we covered a little bit before. For instance, Yamane Rahuji of the Democratic Party of Japan pointed out at the General Affairs Committee of the House of Counselors on March 10, 2005, the many UFOs had reportedly already arrived on Earth, and the arrival of numerous UFOs could be problematic in terms of Japan's defense. Um, well, if that's the case, maybe. I mean, mm, I, you know, say sounds if he's like he's watched there. a little bit of Robotech himself. <laughs> maybe. So, you know, there you have it. You know, bits and pieces and a peek behind the curtain of sorts of Japan's UFOs, their belief, their sightings. Um, it actually is quite amazing how the stance has changed, especially in the last, like, well, decade, but really the three to five years. And I'm sure it's going to change yeah. again. I'm sure we're going to have more stuff. But And there was other bits and pieces on it. But those kind of the highlighted topics of Japan in general. And I do remember, like, that culture is fascinated with just weird shit anyway. Like, they, yeah. their, their theories on ghosts, their theories on, I mean, it, it really is pretty. And they take it, a lot of them take it so layman. You know, like I remember, I yeah, was, I, I was on a train. Like it's just accepted. Yeah, like it's part of their, like it's part of their. Oh yeah, that's my grandma, such you know, Yakuto that died. Oh yeah, she's standing over there. Like they don't. It's their thing. There was a train route that went. So I dated this gal for a while um, in a town, like five or six towns up the road. It's about an hour long train drive. Every single time on this train, it would stop at the exact set, like emergency brake stop, like something's on the track stop. Lights yeah. would come on. Train would stop, and it would be there for, you know, 20, 30 seconds, whatever, and then we'd continue. Well, after about, like, the third time, I, I asked this gal that I was um, that I saw that I said, you know, what's going on here? Because oh, she goes, oh, yeah, that's, and I can't remember, it was the name of the cemetery that there's a tunnel. <laughs> it's a cemetery, but there's a train tunnel underneath the cemetery, so how they designed it is weird, and evidently the there's a ghost girl that drops onto the tracks from the cemetery, Every single time on that route, and out of respect, whether they see the ghost or not, they stop the train, and then they wait, oh, and wow, then they continue weird. the train on. And it's just a sign of respect for this apparition that is known to do this. You know, not that they see it all the time. Just weird shit like that in Japan is kind of their culture just wrapped into it. You know, same thing. With I think that's pretty cool, UFOs. though. You know, just it's awesome. Fuck it. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't cost you anything to respect it. Nope, not know? at all. You know, if nothing else, at the end of the day, it teaches you a lesson. You know, so anyway, but uh, there you go. There's Japan. And again, we'd like to do other countries. Um, you know, obviously, I've got a vested interest a little bit in in Japan, but uh, like Chile, I would love to deep dive into why Chile. Why do these people have such a detailed fascination? literally like it's reported like it's a thing it just as a car wreck happened down the road oh ufo was sighted like it's the same there's no there's a there's no it's the same thing for them it, it's and i don't know why the country of chile sees things like that you know so anyway you know more yeah. to come but i don't know what would you think man yeah it's super interesting i i like i, I like japan um <laughs> no i've uh, uh you, you know like Everyone goes through that that phase where they're like obsessed with Japanese culture and history, you know. At least everyone I knew did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like in your late teens, early twenties, whatever. Um, all the anime, but I've always, and all that. I've always thought their history and their culture has been was pretty fascinating. It, so. it it really is, and you know, when you look on the weird side of things, it gets even more fascinating, especially how they perceive it. Um, so anyway, you know, a lot more with Japan. I'm sure there's other, uh, you know, views of UFOs, things like that. We just cover the high points, but it's just interesting. The government shift as of late, it's interesting of this UFO. I mean, 30,000 people a year that, that, you know, that's not something to shake a stick at. That's pretty, pretty good. So we'll see. And I saw pictures of this little village, in Lino. It's <laughs> like, again, like you said, every town has like a theme. Holy yeah. shit. This town is themed out. Like, it's crazy. I wish I would have known about it when, or maybe it wasn't that prevalent when I was uh, in Japan. I don't know. But, uh, man, I would have I sought it out for sure if I would have known. So, anyway. But there you go, folks. So, um, more to come. We uh, we have some SU oddities that we're going to drop. We have this one that we're going to drop. Um, and, again, apologize for some of these delays on these things. It just kind of, you know, hit and miss with life a bit. But we'll try to keep, uh, keep on track as much as we can. Um, you can actually write us if you have any uh, encounters, you have any input, you have a story, you can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can let us know. You can call us at 801-252-6945. Let us know there. I'll leave a quick message. Um, how are we looking on everything else, man? 
Oh, we're in the same places. We're at uh, Strange Uncles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Strange Uncles on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, kind of. <laughs> that's about it. We had it. a couple new subscribers over the weekend. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they were looking at. So every now and again, we, we catch one. We hook one. So. Yeah. Uh, if you really do want to reach out and make contact with us, the email or the phone number is probably the best. The way we're going to see it the soonest. Uh not real great at keeping up on the DMs on the social media. Yeah, yep, for sure, for sure. Um, Patrons, too, by the way, there's going to be some special stuff coming your way, um, some odds and ends of things, so stand by for that. And thank you for being a Patreon member. We actually had a couple more sign up. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like I said, it, it helps pay for the podcast, and least we could do is put out some bonus content for y'all, so we'll try to do that. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got, man. You got anything else on your side? Uh, No, man. Okay, well, I'll let you go back to building window boxes, bird boxes, whatever you're building over there. Yeah, we're going to put plants on the back deck. Oh, that's pretty damn fancy. You got to watch out for that shit. Before you know it, you're going to be domesticated, and then it's all over, man. Well, I think that's happened a long time ago. (laughs) You think that happened already? Yeah, The ship has sailed. So anyway, awesome. Well, good luck with that stuff. Uh, We'll watch the weather change. We got a couple more topics we're writing on. And um, stand by for more, everybody. Stay strange. Let's get...